back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hale. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. We're working our way through the book of Esther, this incredible story about this uh, woman who unexpectedly becomes queen of the Persian Empire and from that position is used to save her people, to save the Jewish people, to save the people of God from complete annihilation at the hands of Haman, who was introduced in the last couple episodes that we've been looking at in Esther chapter 3. And so now we've come to Esther chapter 4, where Esther begins to to get involved at some level. So I'm going to read all of Esther chapter 4, and then I will make a few comments. First, let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story that reminds us that you are in control of all things, that even when we don't see clearly the road ahead, we know that you are the one who sets our path and directs our steps for us. We ask, Father, that you would guide us according to your will, by your spirit, that we may walk in the goodness of the grace of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Esther chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to attend her, and order him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law, to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these thirty days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. 
Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Well, we continue in the story. We continue to see how all the pieces are are kind of being put in place and uh, for the salvation of the Jews. We continue to see the, the providential reign of God over all things. But we also continue to see the struggle of the people that are the ones who are, you know, the, the players in God's plan. It's important for us to recognize, as we see here with Esther, that when we say God is in control of all things, he providentially rules and overrules, he, he providentially governs everything for the good of his people, for his own glory, we're not saying that means it's easy. By, by no stretch of the imagination does our affirmation of the, the absolute sovereignty of God, our affirmation of, of his providential rule in all things, by no stretch of the imagination does that mean that it's then easy for us to walk in, in, in God's will and do what's right? No, we, we live in a world that is ravaged by sin. We live in a world that doesn't want to be providentially ruled by God. As Psalm 2 tells us, the kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. We live in a world that is opposed to the things of God. So we shouldn't then expect that what's going to happen is because we believe in the providential rule of God that, oh, life is going to be easy and doing the right thing is going to be easy. Not at all. Mordecai's life is absolutely turned upside down here. This decree has been issued that him and all of his people are going to be destroyed. And in the world that he lives in, there's nothing that's going to undo this law apart from God somehow interceding. And so he puts on the clothes of mourning, the sackcloth and ashes, as do apparently many of the Jews. Esther hears about this, and she sends clothes to clothe them, and he, he won't accept them, and she sends Hathik, her, her servant, to figure out what in the world is going on. And we begin to see that Esther has been sheltered from the realities that the Jews face. She's unaware of this decree. She's unaware that the, the king, via Haman, has issued a decree for the, the utter destruction of every Jew everywhere. And so Mordecai, through Hathic, lets Esther know, look, this is what's going on. This is why I and your people are in sackcloth and ashes, even as you sit in the palace, unaware of the plight of your people. And so Esther doesn't know what to do. Mordecai is encouraging her to go go talk to the king. Go, go make an argument for us. Go intercede for us. But there's this law in the land that you can't just walk up to the king. If you come into his inner chamber, if, if, you, if you just walk in into the inner court without being summoned, you're going to be killed. This, this is probably a law, not so much because the king doesn't want to be disturbed, but it's probably a law that, that derives from trying to keep the king safe. We've already seen that there, there are people who want to kill the king. So he's got his own secret service men, so to speak, that, that protect him and, and enforce the rules. I mean, you couldn't try to, you try to walk into the White House and, or into the Capitol to visit with the president. You would run into some similar problems. Now, you might not be killed immediately, but 
But you would you would most certainly be stopped. You would be violating the law. You would be trespassing on federal land and, and approaching someone without being invited. And, and you just you don't have that privilege. And neither, even here, did Esther, which is phenomenal to think about. One, she's the queen. Two, she's the king's wife. Three, she had so utterly pleased the king out of all the other women in the kingdom. But here we find she hasn't been in to see the king in a month. She doesn't know what he's going to do if she walks in. She, she doesn't know, am I going to be killed? Am I going to be put to death? Is the law going to be enforced in that way? Or will he extend the golden scepter, allowing me to come in and talk? Mordecai encourages her. And, and we see here in Mordecai the picture of his faith. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. In other words, his confidence isn't in Esther. His confidence seems here to be in the promises of God. Even though God, again, is not mentioned, we've talked about this throughout the book of Esther, at no point in the book of Esther is God explicitly mentioned, yet here, Mordecai is confident in the promises of deliverance. He knows his people's history. He knows they've been delivered time and time again. He knows they were brought out of Egypt. He knows that God protected Abraham against Abimelech and against Pharaoh. He knows all of these stories of the deliverance of the people of God. He knows that David defeated Goliath and delivered his people from the Philistines. And so he knows that relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. He knows that God could use Esther, and it seems that she's in the prime position to be used, but he also understands that God in his providence, as we've talked about, is free to work how he wills and isn't bound to use Esther. So he's recognizing here, here's what makes sense to me from a human perspective. The king is about to have us all put to death. One of us is the queen. Maybe this will work. He recognizes the, the kind of logic of that, but he also recognizes, but God doesn't have to do it that way. God can do it however he will. What we know is that he, in fact, will. And he warns Esther along the way, don't think that just because you're in this sheltered place that you will escape. And then he asks this question, who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And then this question really frames how we should think about our lives and how we should think about the positions, the vocations to which God calls us. Ultimately, we can say he has called us to the positions, to the vocations, to the stations in life that he has called us. He has called us there to serve him for his glory. We, we can look as, as parents and say, we want our kids to know the Lord. We want them to believe the gospel. And how will that happen? And we can say, well, who knows? Whether you, parent, have not come to this position in your kid's life to lay out the gospel before them. Perhaps it will be a friend that shares the gospel with them, and, and the Spirit makes it click. Perhaps it will be a Sunday school teacher. Perhaps it will be the preacher. Perhaps it will be a youth minister. Perhaps, though, it will be you. 
Paul tells us to make the best use of the time while we have it, and that's what Mordecai essentially is telling Esther. Yes, I understand the law, but you understand that you can't say this isn't what God has put you there for. Every place, every station of life, every vocation into which he calls us, he calls us to it to serve him. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all to be preachers wherever we are, but in the work that we are given to do, God has put us there on purpose for his purposes that we might serve him in that position. Esther understands this, and she calls a fast and says that her and her women that that serve her are going to join in the fast. And then she ends saying, if I perish, I perish. And Gordon McConville points out that this isn't a, a fatalistic lack of hope. This is faith. I'm going to do the right thing. And if it kills me, it kills me. And that will be okay because I will have been doing the right thing. I will have been doing what I know is the will of God in in this situation. Of course, this reminds us, as Tim Keller has pointed out, that, that Christ took this posture. Only he knew what he was getting himself into, and he didn't say, if I perish, I perish, but when I perish, I perish, that my people might be saved. So all of a sudden we see in this wonderful story that the Christ figure here in this story is none other than Esther. She's the one who will intercede to give a little bit of the the story to come away. She's the one who will intercede, risking her life to save the people of God. This is exactly what Christ has done for us, and this is what we're going to see unfold and exemplified for us in the coming days. But for now, might we have this faith that Mordecai had, knowing that God will deliver us. Amen. Amen.